Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing all together in the same room. And without McMahon. Hooray. You haven't been introduced yet. Just because you're sitting here doesn't mean you get to butt in. You butt in enough as The hashtag of the season is let Timmy B cook. You too. Let Timmy B cook. (laughs) Well, the season hasn't started yet. Um, Get everybody ready for We're it. in Los Angeles. Uh, we're going to do some um, conference preview pods uh, this week. We're starting with um, the Eastern Conference here. Joining me from next to me in Los Angeles is Tim Bontemps. This is great. Get to hang out with my friends. McMahon's not here. Get to do this in person. Yes, it's awesome. McMahon was banned from this, That's right. this particular podcast. He's out. Joining us initially here, we have some other guests coming, but first is Nick Friedel. Hello. Hello, B. It's good to see you guys. Thank you for uh, for taking some time to do this. Okay, we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference. Um, and you now are in the Eastern Conference. You moved to New York midway through last season to cover the Nets. Did he? And this is – he's making a joke because <laughs> Nick has, like, spent the entire offseason out of New York. Uh been I moved to New York this offseason, and I, I've seen Nick in for about three minutes in this season. I just love tweaking Timmy B. I'll text him sometimes and be like, I'm visiting for a few days. Are you around? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Pally. Where are you? We did have uh, – I became a chihuahua on the Nick pod. And, We're off to a Nick great and start. I did have dinner this offseason in Dublin, not in New York. And um, we, had dinner, we had lunch the next day in New York. Yes, that's right. Uh, okay, we talked about the NBA. So we're going to start off with the Brooklyn Nets – if not the most compelling team in the NBA this year, very likely to be one of the most compelling teams. I, in a way, I'm happy for you, Nick, and in a way, I feel for you. <laughs> because I'm happy for you because literally you will be in the eye of the storm every day, and that will be energizing. It's better than covering a team that's sort of not being paid attention to by ESPN. But on the other hand, um, so Media Day is in a week from today. I'm very interested to hear. I don't know if we're going to be able to comprehend what Kyrie says at media day. So I how I often know. do we comprehend what Kyrie says? Exactly, period? exactly. So I don't know, but I am very interested to hear from Kevin Durant on media day. Um, how about Ben Simmons and Ben Simmons and Steve Nash and who, Sean Marks? Who, who uh, you know he Kevin Durant apparently wanted fired for a few minutes. Um, so, but let's talk about. We went over ad nauseum what happened in the offseason. When they actually have to play together next week, what are we watching for the Brooklyn Nets? A team that's got to learn each other on the fly. And in order for that to happen, any great team has to have camaraderie. And guys, they didn't have it at all last year. And so I cannot wait for media day because the spin cycle that's going to come out of Brooklyn from top to bottom – is going to be something to behold. Everything is fine. This is all a media generation. Oh, just completely. I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I can't wait. <laughs> I, I just can't wait to see how everything will get spun from from Kevin. And, and Kevin understands the media part of the NBA as well as damn near anybody. So he knows what's coming, and he knows what's going to happen. And Kyrie is not afraid to share his opinion, whatever that opinion may be. And then the wild card to me is Simmons. Nobody has seen him play in a year plus. So I just don't believe that it's all going to come together for the Nets this year. But it's interesting that you mentioned how – 
much of a storm it's going to be because all my friends who are at the summer, they'll call me and they'll text me and they'll say, do you feel bad you left the Warriors? The Warriors won it all. Steph, it's awesome. And I think, no, because I want to be in the middle of the drama. And there is no place with more drama than in Brooklyn to well, start gonna, the year. There's going to be a lot of drama. And look, we saw, we saw today on Monday, we're recording this, uh, Kyrie was on Twitch over the weekend and announced that the Nets really needed to get swept by the Celtics in the first round. That was really the thing. I don't that know. They I don't know if you can trust any. I don't well, know. No, if you but can I'm put saying into what but to says. your point earlier about the spin, right? Like it's already begun. Like all the nonsense that's going to come out of the Nets next week. I don't. I don't care what they say. You know, we've said a bunch on the pod the past couple of months. What we've said repeatedly. Look at people's actions, right? In a lot of different contexts. With the Nets, I'm done with words. With the Nets but here's why I'm gonna I'm gonna suspend that for a second. I want to hear them get onto the record, so we can use it against them later. Well, sure, I mean that, that everything's that's great. True, but to the wind horse oral history <laughs> on listen, the Nets, is, and, that, is and that's obviously true, right? We want to we want to see what what does Steve Nash have to say? How does Kevin Durant try to come back from trying to leave? What does Kyrie say? What does Simmons actually say? Like that will be interesting, but. Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant have not played a single second of basketball together yet. James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant played for about three minutes together in a year and a half, right? This has been the forever team now of what if. What if the Nets are healthy? What if the Nets have this? What if the Nets have that? The Nets didn't have Ben Simmons in April. They had everybody else. People thought that was going to be a close series. They got obliterated. It was a close series. It, sort of. The first three games came right down to the very I mean, end. the first the first game did. I would say after that, those games felt fairly inevitable. Well, the, the the better team won, but, you know. But that's what I'm saying. I want to see, to Nick's point, this preseason, I'm going to be in Brooklyn for a bunch of these games. Now I'm in New York with them. I want to see what this team looks like. I want to see, is Ben Simmons actually going to play? Yep. Is Kyrie Irving actually going to show up and get on the court this year? Because that's the only way he's going to get paid next year. Well, that's time. the thing. That's the thing. Kyrie Irving is highly incentivized to have a great season. Now, Kyrie Irving doesn't follow the normal pathways of, of uh, motivation, but one thing that tends to motivate people is money. And I know that Kyrie has made a ton of money, but let me just say this. His Nike contract is over. That is millions and millions of dollars out the door. He was fined a ton of money for missing games the last two years. He took he took he took a, a, a you know a, a beating for suspensions and also he didn't play a full season two years ago and then he didn't get paid for all those uh, home games last year for half the year. There has been a lot of money. I'm certainly I don't know what Kyrie's accounting is. I'm sure he's just fine, but I I don't think it should be assumed that Kyrie wouldn't be highly motivated to have a great year. So I think Ben Simmons would be highly motivated to have a good year to to push back on everything. I can't predict him either. I think, you know, some of their other players would be highly motivated to have a good year. Some of them have contract negotiations, you know. Um, Joe Harris is going to be motivated to come back and have a good year. I mean, there's scenarios where the Nets could actually unite and say, let's just have this come together. I've seen it before. I just because we can't count on Simmons, because we can't count on Kyrie, it's very hard to to invest anything in him. If anybody wants to make a bet on them winning the East, the odds better be good because even though they've got the talent to do it, they they do have to overcome a lot. Good luck on that bet, whoever's making that one. 
let's focus on Simmons for a second. The biggest knock on him coming out of Philly and in those last few years with the Sixers was does he love the game? Does he want to be in the fight all the time? Is he going to put in the work to get better? I've been around Kevin Durant a while now. Kevin Durant loves basketball. No matter what was going on off the floor, no matter where he's been, they knew that when he came in, he would put in the work all the time. Kyrie doesn't want to be on anybody's schedule aside from his own, but he always put in the work to be better. With Simmons, the question is just how badly does he yeah. want it? I don't know. I mean, I think this potentially sets up really well for Simmons. I think he's, it, it certainly does, yeah. but he's got to be the one to prove it. And when you have two massive question marks, because it's not so much is the talent there. We know the talent is there, especially with Kyrie and Simmons. It's do they want to be a part of the framework of this team? Day after day after day. It's why I laugh when people say, oh, well, there's no vaccination mandate now. Kyrie will be fine. No. Kyrie's got to show up to practice. Honestly, listen, man. And he's got to do Kyrie what the rest only, of his teammates Kyrie are doing only all the time. only plays 55 games, because that's pretty much what he's averaged in his career. Mm-hmm. If he only plays 55 games, but he's invested in those 55, right. and they make progress, and he does have a period where he says he has to take personal time and he takes three games off, I don't think it's the end of the world. It's more about is he is he invested emotionally into it, well, and he's highly incentivized. Well, and let's talk about the rest of the roster, right? I mean, Kevin Durant's averaged thirty games played the last three years. I'm not sure he's going to be healthy. We know that's Ky- a skewed stat because he missed one. Then he's year. played forty five games the last two years. It's not a lot of yes, games. He's had some some knee issues. I mean, he's missed a lot of games. Let's see if he can stay on the court. Kyrie learned this summer he wasn't just going to get handed a max contract. We'll see if he's actually going to play. We'll see who knows what's going to happen with Simmons. But even beyond that, this team has no bigs. Nick Claxton is a pretty small. They have a big name, Ben Simmons. I mean, Ben Simmons has never played center. He's a. He's, I think he's going to play center. I mean, he's not going to play center against Joel Embiid. Well, he can't play center against a lot of people. They're they're very small. They don't have. They have hardly they anybody. They can use that to their advantage at times. Sometimes, but they have hardly any defense. They have hardly any size. So now they might have the single best five-man offensive unit in the league if they have Ben Simmons at point with Steph Curry or Seth Curry and Joe Harris on wings and they then Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving out there very too. very good defensive players. They added Ben Simmons and Royce O'Neal. Those are two good defensive Royce players. Royce O'Neal was bad for large stretches of last year. He wasn't as good as Bruce Brown, who left in free agency. That's a fair point that they did lose Bruce and, Brown. And let's see if Ben Simmons actually plays. But right now, Ben Simmons is the only plus defender on the team. They, right. they have very significant questions. So beyond the availability question, beyond the health question, you have a roster that's pretty weird. It's a weird fit TJ across Warren. the Right, TJ well, Warren. Again, we have you. no idea. If t- like, look, he's a minimum signing. Mm-hmm. If he can actually play, he could be a huge boost to them. He also might miss the entire season. We have no idea. And the biggest key on top of Simmons and Kyrie and what happens to the end of the roster, guys, what happens when things go bad if they go bad early on? What does Kevin Durant do? That's true. I think that's one of the big things in the NBA this year. Does Kevin Durant revisit his trade request? Well, and let's and we're going to talk more about the East in a minute too, but let's look at this in the context of the Eastern Conference as a whole. To me, there's three teams that are guaranteed to make in the playoffs, barring catastrophic injury. Milwaukee, Philly, and Boston. After that, you've got six teams. You, got you the don't Nets. think Miami's guaranteed I don't to think make they're the gar- playoffs? I, I, think, I think Miami's very likely to make the playoffs. But they have an older team. They've lost 
P.J. Tucker, they didn't replace him. Jimmy Butler, as you know, could miss a bunch of time with injuries. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think they're going to make the playoffs, but I'm just saying. You have five spots left. You've got Miami, Brooklyn, Toronto, Chicago, Atlanta, and Cleveland. Those are six good to really good teams. One of them isn't making the playoffs. Three of them are not making it out of the playing tournament, and they're going to have to be in the playing tournament. So, like, you go into this season, like you talk about what happens in Brooklyn if things go sideways. I mean, think about what happened across the street, right? Last year, everybody was saying, oh, the, net, the, the Lakers are going to be fine. They've got Anthony Davis and LeBron. They're going to be fine. Well, when things started to spiral, they didn't recover. And in the Eastern Conference, this is not your, you know, last year or five years ago or ten years ago Eastern Conference where you could make the playoffs winning 37 games. If you're struggling, yeah. you can be ninth or 10th. The Cavs won 44 games last year, missed, didn't get in. And right. Most years of my career, 44 games got you fifth. Sometimes it got Might you Might have got you a home court advantage in the it, first it, round. It's happened. It, not a lot, but it has happened. So for a team like this with all these questions, it's not a guarantee they're just going to roll in. Like, okay. it, it's going to be hard. Let's talk about another team with those question marks, Philadelphia. Another team that I'm fascinated to watch play. Um Kyrie Irving, highly motivated to have a good year. James Harden, highly motivated, good year. He only signed a one-year contract with a player option. Um, they have upgraded some of their roster. Some of the depth that they lost when they did the Harden trade, they tried to add back um, through free agency and trades. Uh, P.J. Tucker, Eddie House um, traded for um, – who did they trade for? De'Anthony Mountain. De'Anthony Melton from Memphis. So they're going to be deeper. Um, last year after the Harden trade – they did get better offensively. Their offensive numbers improved. Um, so to me, I don't think they're that far away offensively. They need to be better defensively, and they need to show that they can shoot the ball because they lost some of their best shooting when they when they made that deal, when they shipped out Seth Curry. And obviously Danny Green, he's, he's now gone as part of that trade, and he's out likely for the whole year. So – Philadelphia, this is a team you cover closely, Tim. Uh, I think, uh, you know, they're going to training camp in Charleston, South Carolina to try to, you know, create, to begin create the bonds there. Um, that's a team that, again, um, you know, you have them as a guarantee make the playoffs, but where are they in the playoffs? Right. I think they got a chance to be very high in the, in the regular season standings. And to me, I understand why everybody's talking about James Harden, right? We've seen all the workout videos from the summer. Obviously, if James Harden comes back as an MVP candidate, level player as opposed to a top 20 to 25 player that could maybe make the Sixers a championship level team but I think the thing that's been lost and what the Sixers have done this summer is it's the first time in Joel Embiid's career where he's walking into the season and they have a team that is built to maximize Joel Embiid it's not a team where Joel Embiid has to do something to make up for some other deficiency on the roster. He's not playing next to Al Horford and having to try to make that work. He's not playing with Ben Simmons, who isn't shooting threes. He's not playing with a team that has no shooting around him at all, and he's got to really fight through 17 players inside the score. Or do the shooting himself. Right, or or be on the perimeter floating around shooting threes by himself. Right now, you add P.J. Tucker, you're going to have a starting lineup with James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, P.J. Tucker, and Tobias Harris, four quality to really good three-point shooters on the court, He's going to have maximum space inside. The team's going to be built around him. And I think he's got a chance to be an absolute monster this season, even better than he's been the past couple of years when he's arguably been the best player in the league. And to your point about where they'll be in the East, I think there's a very good chance they're one of the top two teams in the East at the end of the regular season because they are built to win a metric ton of regular season games. But can they win in the playoffs? Well, that, and that's the whole question. That's what it comes down to. That's where the James Harden part comes in. Can James Harden raise his level – 
when it matters most. Look, I'm going to tell you something. And when has he ever done that? Well, no, and he hasn't. I mean, that's when the you, one question left in what's been a first battle. Here's, here's what you're going to watch, and I'm not saying you're going to get the answer in October. When Harden has the ball on the perimeter doing his ISO game, one of the greatest ISO players we've ever seen, when he makes his move, can he get by his defender? Because that's what the scouts were locking out last year. They were like, this guy, he, his first step. He never got the burst back from the hamstring. Right. So the thing about James Harden, and I am not a basketball development specialist, but when, and when he was in Houston, that first step, and he was, first off, his arms are very strong. He was, you know, people would joke about him being out of shape, but he is very strong. Always been very strong. You guys know this from being around him. When you're up close with him, he's a tree trunk of a guy. He's, his forearms are so strong. And so his ability to get guys out of position, to use leverage, to force them into fouling him, and then because they're so worried about the drive, they, they fall back on their heels, and then he steps back into the three. They close out to him, and he developed the, the land on them and fall down game. But none of it is going to be as effective if that first step isn't there. So right out of the gate, and I'm not saying again, I'm formulating my opinion, is, is that first step recovered. We've seen all these workout videos, him running up hills and you know, running up sand dunes and everything like that, running up stairs. Like there's, he has definitely been putting in the work. Does he get that first step back? Because that's a big part of his arsenal and a big part of the isolation game that obviously Philadelphia is counting on. Well, even more, does he get it back and does it stay there? Because that's the other problem for Harden sometimes. Right? Can he, he stay healthy stay now? Stay healthy yep. and in shape throughout the season, then get in the playoffs and do something that we have not seen him do, which is carry a team all the way through. That's why the point about the Sixers winning a ton of games in the regular season, Timmy B, is well taken. I just don't buy them going into the postseason and being world beaters, getting through the East, getting in the finals and being like, ah, oh, we got this. I don't see Harden at that level anymore. I like the periphery moves they made, but you have to be something more than we get the ball to Joel and he'll he'll take us all the way. I don't see that other piece there, and it is certainly not Tobias Harris. The regular season wins can get them in a position to do that in the playoffs better than if they're fourth or fifth and they have to fight through three hard series instead of two, maybe. But that that is the question that hangs out there for them. The other question that hangs out for them, people feel you're going to get mad at me for this, I'm sure. Tyrese Maxey had a hell of a sophomore year. He's a tremendous young talent. He's made huge strides. But if James Harden and Tyrese Maxey are your backcourt, I don't see that right now as a championship-level backcourt because neither one of those guys is guarding anybody. Well, when you look at the Eastern Conference, there's some real stud backcourts out there they're going to have to try to deal with. And that and that's that's the thing. You look at that Philly team last year, they lost as much on defense as they did for the other issues they had because they had no athleticism on the perimeter and they had nobody who could guard anybody. Now, well, adding P.J. Melton, Tucker helps. Melton, hopefully defense. Anthony Melton's a really good pickup. But again, if you're looking down the stretch close games – is Tyrese Maxey going to be on the bench for DeAnthony Melton? You might argue that's better off for them because you have a guy who can guard some of these elite wing players. But Tyrese Maxey's a guy they've put a ton of investment into their future. Are you going to have him on the bench in a close playoff game? Can Tobias Harris do what he did down the stretch? And he was probably the most consistent player outside of Joel Embiid the final couple months of the season. Yeah, after the, the trade, people kind of thought that would be curtains for Tobias Harris in Philly, but he yeah. ended up being a pretty good player for them down the stretch, and, partially because Harden wasn't that great. And is P.J. Tucker going to defy the odds again and again be really good? P.J. Tucker was beloved in that Miami locker room. And in Milwaukee. And in Milwaukee, beloved 
But at this stage of his career, we're talking about can Harden stay healthy and maintain? Can Embiid avoid the injuries that have plagued him at times? Can P.J. Tucker PJ has Tucker, to be healthy in April and May. If he's healthy by April and May, then I don't. But can he do that at this point? Yeah, I, mean, I know he keeps priority. himself well, in great condition. I mean, that'll but. probably be a priority. There's just there's a it's it's a similar situation to Brooklyn where Joel gives them a much higher floor because you know what Joel's going to provide you on a nightly basis. But again, there's a ton of what ifs and they have a ton of questions to answer. And you know James Harden's at the top of that list for all the reasons everybody knows. All He's right. never had that moment in his career. Before Nick leaves us, let's talk about the East champs, Boston Celtics. Um, I think you were saying Bontemps, you think one of the most impactful moves in the whole East this year, despite. The, the Cavs trading for Donovan Mitchell and, and the Hawks trading for uh, um, DeJounte Murray was the deal for Malcolm Brogdon. And not so much that Malcolm Brogdon is like going to come in and be like an all-star presence, but that they were able to get him without touching their core, adding a piece like that. Now, they did have a setback with Danilo Gallinari blowing out his ACL. That's a setback. Um, I'm but, not sure it is in the playoffs, though, to be honest. Not trying to, yeah. not trying to knock him. Obviously, he's had a great career, but he's not a guy that. Not I, trying to knock him. I just don't think he's going to be relevant <laughs> in the playoffs. Well, but I mean, look, <laughs> he's had a tremendous career. But I think if you look at him in a series against Milwaukee or a series against Philadelphia, yeah. he's not going to be able to. He was not going to be able to cope defensively. I think yeah, to well, be just, a huge factor. Right. Just Boston That's didn't all. have a whole lot of depth last year, so he provided like yes. a, a good. So um, we'll see how they how they're going to start and what they're going to do, how much Brogdon's going to handle. Well, I can it. tell you how they're going to start. They're going to start the same way they did last year. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon's coming off the bench. Yeah. I mean, that's 100% what's going to happen. Assuming health, they're going to start the same five guys. Marcus Smart's their point guard. And I think, like, look, Malcolm Brogdon's stock has taken a pretty significant hit the past couple of years. He's been hurt a lot. There's been some chemistry issues in Indiana. Um, you know, he was a guy coming into the offseason, people thought, the Pacers might get a lottery pick for him in mm-hmm. this year's draft. Instead, the Celtics got him, to your point, none of their top eight players were traded. They sent some flotsam salary out and a protected top 12 or 15 first-round pick for him for a guy that's averaged Daniel 18 Tice and 9 in, the career, in his career. Like, he, he could be the sixth man of the year this year if he's healthy. So, you know, for a team that at times – like, look, we talked about this all during the finals. The Celtics lost the NBA finals because of their offense. Their he defense, turned the damn ball over all over. Right. They didn't their turn def- the ball over. Steph, the for as good as Steph was, the Warriors were scoring around 100 points a game. Their defense was fine. It was more than good enough to win. But their offense completely collapsed in that series. Mm-hmm. Part of that was Jason Tatum playing terribly. He will get better. He's made huge strides. He'll continue to. But some of that was they didn't have, to your point, another guy to come in and give them some real juice off the bench. What's, J- what's Jason Tatum's MVP odds? I don't have him with me, but it's an interesting – Oh, that's, they're not they're not high enough. That's a bet that has potentially has good value. I think the Celtics are going to win the most games in the regular season, and I think he's got a really good chance to win MVP. I've been saying that since the summer. Yeah, I plus people like his style of play. People really like it. It's, and he's really also the new kid on the block, right? The, right. the new narrative, and it well, right. and it's always about the new narrative. I mean, I think to me, I think Joel's going to be the favorite because I do think those are going to be the two best teams. Of the well, Luca is right up there, but I don't know if Dallas is going to win enough. Well, that's why I don't think they're going to win enough games. And as we all know, and as we've talked about on the pod more than once, Joel Embiid has come very close to winning MVP the last couple of years, and certainly from a narrative perspective, he's going to have a lot of juice behind him. And they are like that's why I said before. They are positioned to win a ton of regular season games, and Joel is, to me, positioned to have the best season. Yeah, of his but yeah, I'll tell you what: to get the number one seed in the East, you may, 
56 wins might get it done. There's, there's going to be, it's going to be a bloodbath every night in the Eastern Conference. For sure. I mean, like Detroit and Orlando, two teams we're not even going to talk about today. Sorry, guys. Yeah, teams like Washington yeah. and the Knicks. Yeah, Washington. Are full I mean, of, Bradley Beal is going to shoot with the Wizards to wins at home. Yeah, they're full of decent. MB- I mean, the Knicks are 10, 12 deep with solid rotation players, mm-hmm. and we know Knicks old buddy Tibbs is going to have them ready mm-hmm. to go every night. I mean, they're not going to be a fun team to play. Not they're not going to they're going to struggle to get you know higher up than ninth or tenth, but they're going to be a pain on a nightly basis for sure. In the end, I still think it is Milwaukee, Boston and everybody else. And you can pile up all the regular season wins you want in the world. If those two teams are healthy at the end, going into the playoffs, they are going to be the ones that are going to square off, assuming how the seedings fall. That's my belief, too. That that they're just a cut above where the rest of that conference is. All right, we're going to talk about Milwaukee in a few minutes, but thank you to Nick. We're going to bring in... Um, Kevin Pelton here in a second to talk about a couple other teams, but thank you, Nick, for talking to us. And we'll be uh, in touch with you quite a bit, I feel like, during the season on the Hoop Collective. I cannot wait. I can. I could use a few more weeks off, to be honest. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. Okay, now joining us is the machine, Kevin Pelton. What's up, man? How are you? Well, I literally have the machine. We have the computer. The actual here. machine. Yeah, we're very I, disappointed. It's, it's very least... far away, though. And if you can actually read from this far away, I'll be very impressed. Well, I'm, I'm you know, very disappointed that my man, the machine, who I love to doesn't, death, have doesn't have it in his head. How is the machine not computing this in his head and just telling us what's on the screen? Why do we have to look at it? Look, the last time I tried to do this from memory on the low post a few weeks ago, I misquoted it. So that's what I wanted to avoid here. <laughs> okay. We don't talk the about other post, pods on this that? spot. Is that, is, that a new, is that a new operation? Um, I can't read those numbers, so you have to help him. So you, we'll help you out. Um, you did your, you've done your projections. Um, preliminary projections. Oh, preliminary. Now, I, to I be just, fair, the machine did say they were preliminary. I just don't want to be held to them if they change a how little very, bit between now and the start very, of the season. Uh, how very analytic of you. We're going to give Kevin a break on that because people like to come down on him very hard for his projections. Yes. So. I think they more come down hard on him for his grades. I, I didn't do the projections last year. There was a reason for that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but the grades, that's where people come on after the trades. P- people I in, get complaints people in the about, league. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I get complaints about, about Kevin's grades. grades. People call me and say, why did, why did Kevin say this? I say, I don't know. Ask Kevin. Yeah. Don't ask me. They'll mention it. Well, Pelton gave us a C. <laughs> By the way, the Donovan Mitchell trade that just happened, you gave the Cavs a what? A C. And you did that because? You know, I'm not, 
I'm a little concerned about the fact that they may only have this two-year window before they have to decide because Mitchell is going to be very difficult to extend if the rules remain the way they are. Right. Now, it's very possible big, that it could big change. If. Very yeah. big if. Could change in the new collective bargaining agreement. That would change how I feel about it because if you knew that you could extend him when he's happy with how things are going in Cleveland, all of a sudden that would justify giving up as many first-round picks as you did. Right. Well, there is CBA negotiations going on right now, and... This is something that has been discussed with me is that, you know, not all the teams know the state of the discussions, but some teams have representatives on the Labor Relations Committee and might know. There might be an information. For example, right now the Cavs couldn't give Evan Mobley a um, designated player extension, giving him the extension where he can get all the bonuses and stuff in it. Uh, with or, a full five years. And yeah. a five-year thing. and. Um, frankly, I think when the Knicks were negotiating against the Cavs, the Knicks knew that the Cavs were bidding against them. I don't know how serious the Cavs – I'm not so sure. I, I, I wonder where the, the – the Knicks, I think, thought they were bidding against themselves. And I think one of the reasons why the Knicks weren't 100% certain that the Cavs were going to go all in is because they were saying, well, the Cavs can't trade for Donovan Mitchell. We'll handcuff them on Evan Mobley. But what happens if the rules change? But now the, now the next layer of it is, if you're one of the other owners in there, and you know that Cleveland has these restrictions, am I voting to change the extension well, again, rules? I, I think we're going down the wrong path. Evan right. Mobley can stay on the cast for a long time. It's not like they can't sign him. It, that's all going to be fine. I, the reason I agreed with Kevin's grade is I don't know if this Cavs team is going to be good enough to win a playoff series with Donovan Mitchell. Like That, I think, is the okay. better question. Well, let's get into this. Yeah, so one of the teams we're going to have you talk about is the Cavs. Um, what goes into your projections? You, you, you're projecting team victories, preliminarily <laughs> yes. projecting team victories. So it's a couple of factors here. It's the players' box score stats over the past three seasons, weighted by age, uh, weighted by recency and minutes played, and then an adjustment based on how similar players have developed at the same age. And then the other component is the adjusted plus minus that's based off the data from nbashotcharts.com, their RAPM over the past three seasons. So your data doesn't, your um, projection uh, formula does not love the Cavs. In fact, your projection formula has the Cavs with 44 and change, 45 wins preliminarily. <laughs> they won 44 the win, games last The win year. total particularly preliminary, but the, the standing the these standings is, I think, part the, is the more interesting part. Where yeah, are they ranked? You Kevin? have them yeah, in, in a tier, so there's a top t- two, two basically tiers of their own, which are Boston and Milwaukee, right? as you guys just sort of talked about with Nick. Then there's a tier of three teams that are after that, and Philadelphia is in that group. Toronto is in that group. And then the other team that made a big trade this offseason, Atlanta, is in that group. We're not going to talk a lot about Toronto, but Toronto, in my mind, is kind of like the big spoiler because... They have a team that finished fifth in the East last year and did not get worse. If anything, you could argue that Scotty Barnes will get better. Well, and by the way, they also were never healthy last year. Mm-hmm. They went That's through the right. whole season with Scotty Barnes playing great and all these guys <laughs> individually playing great and never all of they them had playing like together. Games where they had six healthy guys. Yeah. They, I mean, they, they, they were like bringing guys in off the street. They, you know, Nick Nurse. I think there was wasn't there one game where Nick Nurse met the guy in the pregame locker room and then yeah. played him thirty minutes. <laughs> no, they they were they were playing. You know, they were playing seven guys a night, and a lot of times it was because they had no one healthy, and they were right in the middle of the Eastern Conference. So not, the reason I call them spoilers is that not only do they still have a good team, and, you know, Nick Nurse happens to be a good coach. He, he, he coaches well in adverse situations. He seems to get the most out of his team. Um, but they also haven't made their big deal yet. 
You know, you look at Philly, they've made their big deal. Boston has made a series of big deals. Obviously, Brooklyn's made their big deals. The Cavs have made their big deals. Atlanta has made their big deals. Milwaukee, they're not out as much as those other teams, but they have made their big deals, you know, to get Drew Holiday and everything in the past. Even Toronto, Miami is out future first Miami round. is out future picks, and they're, they've got a lot committed to this roster. Toronto hasn't made – Toronto is holding all its picks. They have all their firsts and I think all their seconds. You just explained why we had them not all in in those rankings over the That's summer. Right. That was a source right. of difference. All, all in on nothing. That's right. Different podcast. All right. So Toronto's potential spoiler, which is one of the reasons, by the way, why people a lot of people felt like the, that Durant, if he was ever available again, Toronto would have an interesting package. Okay. So let's talk, go back to Cleveland, though, because they're a team that obviously a lot of people are focused on. Not because Brian's from Northeast Ohio. <laughs> Cleveland's – um, Cleveland's just a bonus. <laughs> no, it's just because your rankings, yeah. you know, put Cleveland in an interesting place. I'm not disagreeing. Um, Cleveland's wager is that their young guys are just at the beginning of their process. And obviously mm-hmm. you're reading and projecting data. You just don't know. You don't know what Evan Mobley's going to do. But I do think it's interesting that the Cavs have, you know, they have their own projections, I'm sure. Maybe they're different than yours, but, you know, they have to, they realize that, you know, they're in a fight. They, they, we shouldn't just assume they're going to be up there. And I don't think that trade was primarily about what they're going to be this year. I agree. Because, as you said, they're still at the beginning of this. It's possible Evan Mobley could take a leap, but these guys are presumably still going to be getting better. Darius Garland is at a position where players tend to peak pretty late at point guard. Mobley, as young as he is, even Donovan Mitchell potentially still has some room to continue to, to grow and improve. And hopefully at the defensive end of the court, because that's that's one place where those projections are not so strong. Well, yeah, they, they have a chance to be pretty awful on defense when you look at Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. Not exactly – not obviously the big guys are great, but I'm yeah. just talking about perimeter defense. Yeah. Right? Those two guys have not shown a proclivity to guard anybody. And they might have the single worst position group in the league and certainly among teams trying to contend when you look at their small forward spot. Like, you know, we talked about the Lowry marketing experience on pod recently – and he is not very good, but he was at least a solid filler for them. With that. You, here we go again. I, He's not a to, star, but he is a quality NBA player. Jamal, Jamal's on the other side of the room making lots of faces agreeing <laughs> with me. Uh, I, I will also just say that. You know, Larry, Larry Marketing was at least big. The Cavs don't even have big well, guys. I understand that, but my point is they were playing a power forward at small forward yes. because they had no other option that was decent to do, right. to play there. And, and now, now, they, don't and now have they, have, they don't even have that. Like, yeah. I will say this, like the Cavs are if, for as star studded as they have, as they are. And like, they have like four legit stars. Like they're like really, really hoping that Isaac Okoro has a step, step up third season. They like, they need Isaac Okoro who was a high lottery pick, but like he hasn't been impactful. As well, who's going to guard Jason Tatum? Jimmy Butler, I agree. James Harden, Listen, I agree. Trey Young, like they don't. They did. Have, they did have the number five guys. defense in the league last year. Well, so. look, they're they're sort of relying on a supersized version of what Utah did. We're like instead of just Rudy mm-hmm. Gobert, it's now Jared Allen and and uh, Evan Mobley who are going to do that, which will work to a point. But if you have no defender to put on any of these elite players in the wet in the East on the wing. It's, well, it's going to be a challenge. Utah finished fifth last year and didn't like the, didn't like the upward mobility, and so they, they torched it. All right, where your projections are interesting is what they say about the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, your preliminary projections have the Hawks is finishing fourth in the East. What do you like about the Hawks that have you have them ahead of quite a few other pretty good teams? 
Yeah, I think for them is is compared to Cleveland in particular. It's it's frankly the argument that Tim has made on the pod, which is I don't like this already. I I understandably the machine knows where the smart people are. <laughs> I do. Right. I don't think I agree on marketing, <laughs> even though Cleveland might have the better talent at the high end with four potential all stars, and it's hard to see that many guys on Atlanta's roster being that good. It's seven deep for the Hawks. And DeAndre Hunter is a level above where Isaac Okoro and those Cavaliers small forwards I think you're is. being kind. Yeah, I, you, might, you might want to say three levels above. <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah. Uh, but Oneka that team makes Okongo. a lot more sense. Like, roster-wise, the Hawks just make sense. Well, they just, they're deep. They're That's so what I mean. They, make, they, they positionally fit very well across the board, especially now that you had DeJounte Murray, Seattle guy. We know why Kevin's high on... Uh, the Hawks really is that well, they traded for a Seattle guy. I don't know. I mean, he's busy feuding with Seattle guy Paolo Bancaro. <laughs> That's also so. true. Where, which side do I take in that one? I, I don't know. You should answer. What do you come down right now? You got an answer? What's your preliminary abstaining? answer? No comment. All right. That's fair. Uh, but look, if you look at their team, I, I've been pretty high on them too because I think they I think they make a lot of sense across the roster. DeJounte Murray solves a couple weaknesses for them. You look at them playing against some of these elite teams. DeAndre Hunter has not been healthy. He needs to stay healthy. But if you have him and DeJounte Murray, now you have two guys you can throw on any perimeter players on the other teams and at least feel like you have a fighting chance of guarding them. Then you have Trey Young, who is a single-handed top five or ten offense by himself. He is. I, I, don't, I don't know if everybody, certainly in Atlanta, Trey Young was dynamite last season. He had a dynamite season. And the Hawks underachieved as an overall team coming off the conference finals. Well, and it also so, doesn't help that he was awful in that playoff series against right. Miami. That's I was going to say that. Down my regular season. That's true, but he did get him through the play-in tournament. Well, for as good yeah. as he played, that's just, unfortunately, that's the thing yes, people remember. that is true. But, but he was awesome the year before against New York. No, he was, so. he was incredible, mm-hmm. and he had a great year last year. So I, I just like their depth, and we talk a lot about Evan Mobley, and I get that, but Nyeka Okongwu, to me, has a chance to be a hugely important player in the East because I think he's immensely talented. He's also had a bunch of injury issues. But if he can stay healthy, like two years ago in the conference finals, he was going toe-to-toe with Giannis and was the best option Atlanta had to guard him. Now, obviously, Giannis was still getting what he wanted, but like he's a kid with a ton of upside. And if he starts to realize that and Hunter stays healthy, like the Hawks to me just have a lot of upside compared to, you know, as Kevin's pointed out, his projections are higher on them than I think the general public, they've and also, I can see why. They flirted with the John Collins trade for months. They didn't make one, but they have Collins, and they have the first-round pick that they got from Sacramento. They obviously were out picks that they traded to San Antonio, but they did get a first-round pick when they moved out Kevin Herter. So they have some currency to go out there and improve their team, like Toronto. Um, they have not – while they have traded a bunch of stuff, they still – you know. If they're looking to improve their roster this year, they have more to trade where they can not hurt their core as so many of these other teams do. So I think that's a that's a factor too. Um, we also we mentioned the Heat a second ago. Um, the Heat fall through the cracks, cracks a little bit because they didn't make a dynamite move this summer um, with a bunch of other teams did or had big headlines around them like the Nets. Um, they lost a key player in, uh, in P.J. Tucker. Um, where do you have where do your preliminary preliminary projections have the heat right now in the east so they are in that same tier with cleveland a little bit ahead of the cavaliers but you know close enough that it's within the margin of error for that group and 
you know, that's kind of putting you on the bubble of are you going to be in the play-in? Or you know, you if you're a Heat fan, six? you're like, what are you talking about, Machine? We were the number one overall seed last year. Okay, we lost P.J. Tucker. We didn't know he was Michael Jordan. Um, <laughs> you know, he's a quality player, but, you know, he, there, were, there were whole games where he didn't take a shot or he took one shot. Like, you know, I mean, um, you know, how did the Heat fall that much? And if we would have had projections last year, Miami probably would have outperformed them by as much by as much as just about anyone. Because who would have said coming into the season, the big question was, well, the Heat have no depth. How are they going to deal with that after they lost a bunch of guys? And then lo and behold, Max Drews becomes their starting small forward. Right. Uh, Caleb Martin comes in and gives them really terrific. How about Gabe, Gabe Vincent? Vincent? I yeah. mean, like that's a guy that nobody talks about is Gabe Vincent. You know, Kyle Lowry missed a lot of time last year, mm-hmm. and Hero was banged up too, and like they were. They were rolling out in the conference finals, starting Gabe Vincent and Max Struess with Jimmy Butler dragging one leg and they're one shot away. Like that's the thing about the heat is I think that I think that they love being overlooked. Um, well, they're in the position they want to be in. They, they want to be the team that they can put the chips on both their shoulders and say, you know, nobody's believing in us. Well, nobody's talking about us. We're going to be fine. And as you've called, I mean, you've called Eric Spolscher the mechanic for a long time and for good reason. He finds parts and he puts them in the right places and their team wins no matter who's on the court. It's a lot like San Antonio, you know, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, Omer Yurt seven, like they just find guys, they plug them in, they make it work over and over again. Projection systems like this take into account age, availability, injury history, Jimmy Butler, obviously an older player. They lose P.J. Tucker. Kyle Lowry had some personal stuff going on last year, struggled, didn't play to the same level. I think he'll be better this year, probably by a decent amount. But Miami is one of those teams like we were talking about with Nick. There's going to be a really good team that missed the playoffs. There's going to be a really good teams that are in the playing tournament. Like, it's not – this isn't going to be a cakewalk for Miami and some of these other teams. And if you have some injuries early, you fall in a bit of a hole early. Like Atlanta, both the last two years, has fallen in a really big hole – and come on super strong second half. Hawks were like, I think, third in the East in winning percentage after third or fourth after January 1st, but they were horrendous the first two months. You can't do that this year and escape. You're just going to so, be in a hole you can't get out of. Yeah, so a couple of things with the Heat. So one, do they extend Tyler Hero? Can they find a number that Tyler Hero would accept? Um, and if they don't extend him, do they trade him? You know, does he become a, a tradable piece? And I think a lot of people would be interested in Tyler Hero. Uh, if you can't traded. imagine why Brian would say that. <laughs> you know, let me just say, it wasn't that I think Tyler Hero is the best player in the league. It's just that I feel he's an important player to them, which I think was backed up when he won six men of the year, like practically unanimously. Um, I, I voted against him. <laughs> preliminarily, he voted against him. <laughs> that was final. Do you think that they can move Duncan Robinson's contract? Because that is a big trade piece for them. They do. They are out one first round pick. Well, they can. They can move it. I mean, it's, move it for value. Can you reasonably move it? That that. But they've, that's got, they've the got a trade to make because yeah. they haven't replaced PJ Tucker. Like right now, power forward is guys out of positions. You know, playing a small lineup. They're probably with, starting Caleb Martin there. You would guess. Or Victor Oladipo and Jimmy Butler and, and yeah, Max Drusier here forward. Yeah, it's just I, hard. It's hard to start Jimmy there. I'm sure. I would imagine they'll close with Jimmy. Yeah. At the four. But my guess is they start either way. To your point, well, one guy's got to have One guy that's been discussed is is uh, Jay Crowder bringing him back. He's not an ideal four, but obviously he can match up at four. Um, finding a trade that works there may have to be a three team trade, but um, you know Crowder is a guy who might be available from the Suns. But they also uh, hit about eight thrill eight trillion threes in the uh, in the bubble for Miami. <laughs> a big reason they got to the finals. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah, they love them. So. Um, yeah, but so the Heat probably have a deal to make with one of those guys, um, and they have some 
you mentioned some guys that other teams may like, like Caleb Martin, like Gabe Vincent, who I think is on a minimum contract for yep. this year. Yeah, he and, he and Strews both yeah. are. Yeah. Um, so if you traded for those for those players, you'd get those players plus get their rights. You know, there's a lot of interest in players like that. So I would think that the Heat, they always they always get better from game one to eighty two because that's who they are as a team. But you know. Pat Riley and Andy Ellsberg may work some stuff on that roster too. So um, another team that's upwardly mobile here, whereas I think Cleveland, who we also talked about, is probably their roster. Yep. Um, you know, maybe they could they could do something. Sure, they'll be trying to find trades for threes, but everybody's yeah. trying to find trades for threes. Right. That's a hard position to fill. Yeah, again, yeah, Okoro. Does Okoro become valuable? I mean, look, but. if he takes a big step, it could be a really huge swing thing. It's just hard at this point after these first couple of years where he's been a decent defensive player and been a negative pretty heavy negative yeah. on offense to expect him to take well, that kind I'll of just say this when I got a chance to watch the Cavs work out last week they had a run I watched like I might have said this in the pod last week I can't remember like Dean Wade uh, he's got the best projection of any of, of the players we've talked about as small forwards Karis yeah I mean he better, probably but. should be their starter there really Dean Wade like was doing things on the court so <laughs> I mean maybe it's the year of Dean Wade I mean maybe one of the key players in the Eastern Conference is Dean Wade. Last year, I would argue that Tyler Hero was one of the most important players in the conference. This year, it might be Dean Wade. I'm not quite, I'm not quite as uh, uh, as uh, effusive about Dean Wade. I'm just telling you, I watched him. He looked pretty good in that. Well, he's uh, also pretty big, and if you are, if they are going to go with the same strategy of just let's get as much size out there as we can, especially next to two really small guards, like especially if you play some zone. Yeah, I mean, look, like he, like people will laugh because he's a six nine white guy, and we're talking about this guy no one's ever heard of who sounds like a made up player in two K. <laughs> but the, <laughs> but the truth is, like he legitimately might be their best option right now at small forward, which right. both is a credit to him because he's be, he's become a guy that's turned into a player uh, like Max Drews, some of these other guys, and it's also a sign that if Cleveland seriously wants to contend in the East, to me, they have to find a way to address that spot. Because when you're going up, even if you're going to try to play zone and muck some stuff up, if you're going up against Jason Tatum and Giannis and Jimmy Butler and Kevin Durant in the playoffs, that can't be your answer. Well, Karis LeVert is in the final year of his contract. He wasn't a great fit for Cleveland after they traded for him, but he was incentivized to have a great year. And if LeVert has a good year, he's also a potential trade chip. That's, that's a trade chip that the Cavs would be able to have. But he's got limited value in the last year of his contract when they have no real draft compensation anymore. Um, all right. Well, thank you, Pelton, for stopping by. Uh, always take a look at what Pelton is writing on ESPN+. Plus. It will make you smarter. It makes us smarter all the time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start with thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can. Even if that's just a 10 minute low impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30 minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click 
ranger.com or just stop by. All right, now uh, to talk about the Bucks and the Bulls, the he bounces up Interstate 94. How many miles, how many hours on Interstate 94 for you, Jamal Collier? Uh, like over the course of a season? Yeah. I don't even really want to think about that okay. number, how many times. The answer, the answer is a lot. In a geographical oddity, to get from Chicago to Milwaukee, which is pretty much due south of mm-hmm. Milwaukee, you take 94 west. Bizarre. Uh, who it has to confuse many people? Uh, I remember the first time I did that drive, I almost didn't take the road because it didn't make sense to me. Right. I was like, wait a second. Why is it telling me to go west? And then I was like, well, I guess it's going way north and then west, which it does. But once you see the Mars Cheese Castle, you know you're on the road. <laughs> <laughs> the now that's spoken now, like a man who spent a lot of time on I-94. Now, Friedel, who used to live in Chicago, he has no sense of direction. So he sees 94 west and he has no issue whatsoever. He's like, sounds good that's to me. That's right. Let's keep going. I'll just keep going this direction, see where I end up. <laughs> Looks good to me. Just keep the lake on the right. Um, so, Jamal, you had a story about Lonzo Ball about two weeks ago that um, it had to land like a thud in Chicago and their fan base. Um I mean, well, tell me exactly what you reported, and then we'll talk about that from from there. It's January we're talking now when Lonzo Ball goes down with an injury, and the initial timeline is six to eight weeks released by the team after the surgery, and we're now about eight months removed from this coming up on the next season. There's still just a lot of questions and uncertainty. So what did you say, like, that – you know, you said he would not be ready for training camp. So Lonzo is, you know, not going to participate in training camp. He's right. in Chicago. He'll be around. But um, at this point, all signs are – he's still having pain in the knee. Every time he, he starts ramping up basketball activity, he's just feeling some discomfort with certain activities uh, and was tied to running earlier in the season. I don't know the specifics of it here, but I know that was a big issue for him. And – you're now looking at not being ready for training camp, and that also sets you back for starting the season on time. That's and what I, I was going to tee you up for. If you're not participating in training camp, when do you start participating in the regular season? It ain't going to be on October not 18th. On, not on opening night. No. And so, like, I know you've got to be careful about what you say because you're reporting it. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. They don't. I don't think they have any idea when he's going to play. Um, and a point guard with knee and issues in Chicago uh, heading into their season. Is, I know. You talk about like a thud with the fan base. Okay, so. It's not what they want to Well, and our pod, our pod made people in Chicago very unhappy last year, specifically with me, because I wasn't very high on their team. But you go back to the early part of the year when the Bulls were really good, it was driven by, as much as it was DeMar making some, DeMar DeRozan having maybe his best year and making some oh, yeah. in, insane late game shots, it was Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball single-handedly making them a pretty good yeah, defense. Top 10 defense there. And that was, those two guys were unbelievable. And without and, them, they'd have had no and shot. Without them, okay. they went off a cliff. All right, so let's just say Lonzo's going to be out indefinitely. Now let's talk about what the Bulls actually are, you know, have a good idea they're going to have on opening night. Um, they are, you know, uh, I'm sure very excited about getting Patrick Williams back. He was a core part of their rebuild. Yeah. A guy they took fourth overall. Um, obviously, DeMar is coming off of an all-star season. There's a lot of excitement about him. Um, you know, what do you see that the Bulls are going to be able to count on uh, going into this year? I think you can also count on Zach Levine being a little bit better. I mean, he Can was, you? Because, I mean, I mean, he's coming off knee surgery. He is. But I think that— I just don't think we should assume that he's going to hit the ground and be everything A-OK. And that's fair. Um, I think that he was so good in the previous few years and even before the injury that if he can get, even if DeMar DeRozan, if you look at the season he had and you say, can he replicate 
that performance where he's in the MVP discussion for half the season. Um, maybe not, probably not. But you do, if Zach can get back to to being healthy well, with it. Well, the Bulls it, made a $200 million bet on it. Then, you know, you, you think that you're going to get more from him, and I think that that's something that they're going to be expecting. I really think that both the teams I cover had really fascinating off-seasons in their inactivity. Um, and maybe that's just my job is to be hype about <laughs> these teams doing nothing. But um, the Bulls are looking at when Lonzo went down and we had those guys in that first half up until January, they were in first place. And Eastern Conference is better and Eastern Conference is good and deep. But they're looking that we were closer to that first place team than what we saw afterward. And by the time that Milwaukee series, I mean, Caruso never got right after the injury, uh, you know, that he has with the Bucks, And then he kind of had some hamstring injuries and, and a back issue at the end of the season. Um, they feel good about where he's at. They feel good about uh, having Patrick Williams there for the full season. They, they, yeah, I mean, we, talk, we talked on this pod about how Cleveland has poor wing situations. I mean, with Patrick Williams and Io, I mean, the Bulls can feel good about their potential wing defense. Well, well, what I would say is the word potential is getting a lot of use there. Yeah. Because Patrick Williams had a pretty up-and-down rookie year, and then he missed all of last year through a freak wrist injury. So when we've talked, you know, we talked about Anyeka uh, Kongu earlier. We talked about some of these other yeah. young guys in the East. To me, if I'm a Bulls optimist, or I'm trying to be a Bulls optimist, you've got to be saying – Patrick Williams is going to take a really big step because if he doesn't, it's hard to see where they're going. Another guy that we have not mentioned is Vucevic, and he was the first domino that they made at the trade deadline, and that was 2020, I believe, where they – Oh, yes, we've talked talked about it on this podcast recently. (laughs) They make the trade for him, and and he was – you know, he he's admittedly struggled to adjust to playing alongside DeMar, playing alongside Levine, and, and really just fitting into a new role as this kind of third big, third all-star along those guys. And for all the things that the Bulls uh, point to with injury and Lonzo and Caruso and such, DeMar, Zach, and Vooch played a whole lot of games together last year. And they just need Vucevic to be better. He shot, I think, 31% from three. That's one of the lowest he's had since 2017. It's the lowest percentage he's had since 2017. Um, you know, he really was not very good on defense for them last year. It, it, they, that's why they counted so much on Lonzo and Caruso to be their perimeter defense because they just really had nothing on the, the sort of backside to protect the rim. Uh, so they need a better output from Vooch as well. He did settle down and was better in the second half and in the playoffs than he was at the beginning of the year, but he was a disaster earlier in the season, and they just kind of can't afford for well, him to, to I, struggle I just that think, badly. again, if you're the Bulls, you're saying, okay, how are we going to manage this Lonzo injury? How are we going to manage our challenge? Is your young guys are going to get better. Io Dosamu is going to get better. Yeah. I am a big – I love watching Kobe White play. His, he's got dynamic offensive ability. He, he gets eaten alive on defense. We know this. There are guys in the Hall of Fame who got eaten alive on defense. This is his third year coming up. Fourth. Fourth year coming up? Yes. Patrick Williams' third year. It's Kobe yeah, White's fourth, fourth year. Okay. He's also another guy that's never been consistent at it's all. It's a huge year he, for him. He had a much better season. It's a huge year for him because he's going to be uh, coming up as a restricted free agent at the end of the if season. If they don't extend him, which um, I would bet they don't. Doesn't don't think that's in the cards right now for them. But uh, he, you know, they put him in a lot of catch and shoot situations a lot, playing off Demar, playing off Vooch, um, and his shooting percentage shot a career high from three last year. I think that they were encouraged with the things they saw from Kobe White. They really like Kobe White. I think that they like Kobe White certainly a lot more than the league has sort of reflected yeah, uh, in the value. Yeah, he's been out there on the trademark a little bit, and they just they haven't found... 
haven't found anything. <laughs> so, yes, you got to play him. Yeah, and I, and I think, though, you know, to your, your point, they need Lonzo, and they recognize that Lonzo is going to be a, a sort of a crucial point. But if they can't if, – if they think that injury is going to be managed, well, we're going to hear a lot more from them next week at media day when their training camp opens because they've been hesitant as a team to kind of put in your real timeline or say much I don't more blame about them. It. Well, well, blown the question I want to know is they go into this off season, right? You said they didn't do much. All they really did to address the point guard spot was sign Goran Dragic, yeah. who they've clearly told you're going to play minutes because he, he was basically told, as Tim McMahon said on our pod before, Dallas was like, well, you can come to Dallas and kind of hang out and not play a lot. And he, I think Goran has said publicly that Chicago said you're going to play a lot of minutes. Yeah. But if he's the only option you've really got at point guard for a good chunk of the season – that's not going to work. We'll have Caruso. I think you'll have Kobe and, and Io as well. Um, and I think if you see those young guys struggle, and especially later in the season, if you have a full complement of guards, you got a veteran who's sort of been through it to know that you could maybe has an option at one of the young kids are struggling. But my, but my but, point is they've clearly told him yeah. you're going to play. So that's, if that's the only, if that's the one, and, and like I like Io, like, you know, yeah. he's an interesting young player, but like, Caruso, as much as as much as we've talked about, much we like him. I like him as a player. He's not a traditional point guard. No. Io's not a traditional point guard. Kobe certainly is not a traditional point guard. So <laughs> he likes to shoot. So the only the only <laughs> guy like and obviously Demar and Zach DeMar. Are have the ball in their hands. That's yeah. one, that's yeah. fine. But they really only have right now one healthy traditional point guard, and that's Goran Dragic, who I again love as a player, but wears a knee brace that goes from his ankle to it his, is his it hip is now. like jaw dropping. Uh, no, I've not seen it. When he came back last year and started, you know, he was away. For well, like, he's been wearing. He wore it in the I bubble. I know, I know, but I hadn't seen it in person in the bubble. Oh, right. He signed with the Nets, and I went to a Nets game, and I saw it in the in the pre in the uh, pregame. I was like, "Does he play in that, or is oh, that just like a pre?" For, I mean, for fans that haven't seen it, it's legitimately a brace that goes on the vast majority of his. I life. mean, the thing it's must huge. the thing must weigh seven pounds at it's, least. It's, it's got to. It's incredible. I've never, it's like a knee brace from like 1987. So I'm it's just amazing. curious to see, like, yeah. if if you know, as you've reported, the Lonzo situation is unclear. Yeah. If the only thing you did was add an old point guard who's had injury issues, it's not a plan. It's that, not great. Yeah, and and one of the things also that they struggled with in the series against Milwaukee, Milwaukee basically just dared them. Shoot from outside, shoot from three, and they had nobody that was capable of beating them. Right, Lonzo, as great as Demar is, that's not his thing. It's not his thing, and I think that you can send doubles and, and Zach's injury and and, and, get, and getting COVID also maybe you know threw it off a little bit. But when you can send doubles as Zach and Demar, and Kobe's maybe spotty from three, Vooch wasn't very good from three, Pat Williams takes a long time to shoot his yeah. though, that long arguing three. I just think that, you know, they, they thought they were going to be, they were in for uh, Gallinari, you know, before he gets injured. And they thought that would be maybe the answer to that, that problem, but they really didn't address that at all either. Is yeah, adds Zach more shooting for played, them. you know, on a leg and a half yeah. uh, for the second half of last year, he gutted through it. He was the best. He was in his career before that knee injury started bothering him. Yeah. And then he went away right before the all-star break. Yeah. And he went on a kind of little knee vacation and I remember he came out to the to the press uh, to the press conference of the All-Star game and like I th- were you there? Were no you? but I remember this very I, we, I, we I called there. you right yeah, away yeah. yeah we were there and he was it. like they were like hey uh, uh, somebody from Chicago asked uh, hey uh, what happened with your knee he's like well it was not a big deal I got it drained got cortisone and got um, 
Yeah. We were standing there going, we were standing there going, huh? Really? <laughs> like, I looked at him and go, did he just say he got cortisone and drained and he got something else? I was like, was I, PRP, was, I was a true PRP. Yeah. That's right. He was like, he was like PRP. It's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Just PRP. I got cortisone, the works. And dra- yeah. I got the works on my knee. Yeah. It's like, yeesh. That's not great. I was like, what? I think like, I just called you right away. I was like, hey, did, did you know about that? He just he just said it like nonchalant. nonchalant. Yeah. And yeah. then that was when Chris Paul, the same day Chris Paul comes out to do his media. Yeah, with his busted thumb. And his like, thumb is all wrapped up. He's like, I'm fine. I was like, it doesn't look fine. Because remember, he played in the game and like got an assist. Well, yeah, no, that's seconds. out of the forest from TNT. Reported right before the game. He had a busted thumb. was going to miss all that time. Right, he missed. And he was like, oh, yeah, weeks. it's all good. No big deal. Yeah. It was quite the, quite the all-star media day. It was quite uh, a morning there at Cleveland State. Um, all right, let's talk about the Bucks. Um, you've said, I think you said this on NBA Today today, if I'm not mistaken, that you that the Bucks believe if Chris Middleton doesn't take that strange fall, was it in Game One against game the Bucks? Game Two. Yeah, I was going to say Game Two. Yeah. Um, I happen to agree with you. Uh, I think the Bucks. And I think the Bucks win the East. I'm, I don't know if they agree, they yeah. beat the Warriors. I agree with you, and I finals. and I also know the Bucks agree with you. That's for sure. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's a not an unreasonable position. Not at all. The other thing is. Middleton, as far as I was told, what do I know? Middleton was like going to try to come back. He was like on the verge of coming back in the Celtics series, and they had a setback. And so they they were they were thinking that they were still going to be able to get him, even though it was midway through the Celtics series, which they lost in seven. And yeah, then he had the freak yeah. off season injury yeah. um, that is now going to keep him out what till November or is it October? They haven't, you know, well, another one that we'll see what they That's will say. They, injury, they are, right? uh, the Bucks are pretty careful about injuries and manage those pretty careful. slowly. Careful is one way to put um. it. I can think of a few others. <laughs> but they're, you know, their team is obviously winning games in October, November. It's sort of they've been of through it, right? They, they, they want yeah. Middleton on the floor. And it's part of why I said earlier, I think Boston and Philly are going to sort of run away yeah. as the two top teams in the East. Because I will be very surprised if the Bucks are pushing to win games in November. Giannis just played a bunch of games zero basket. I would expect him not, to be... Not that they're going to win 45 yeah. or something, but Giannis is going to get nights off for his knee. Yep. We'll see when Chris comes back. Drew Holiday's getting older. They've got an old team. Well, they're going to be rotating well, guys I will out say for this. rest. I'm, I'm, you might have heard that I thought that the, the Jazz trading Royce O'Neal for a draft pick was a strange trade, a strange decision. You don't say. Another strange decision was the Bucks giving their full mid-level to Joe Ingles, who is out with a recovering from a torn ACL and I think is 35 years old. Yeah. Signing him, I kind of get, you know, like the Cavs signed Ricky Rubio coming off an ACL. Yeah. I watched Rubio work out last week. Like he looks like he'll be back by mid-season to me. That was, they gave him like a portion, they gave him like a fraction of it. Plus he's younger. Yeah. That was that was a heck of a signing. I mean, they need shooting. It's a so flyer, they, yeah. That he kind of makes up for almost a deep. A flyer would have been a minimum. Yeah, but this <laughs> but, is. Uh, I'm curious about their offseason too, just because you're right. They they they're betting on last year. You win the 2022 they championship. They gave Pat, they gave Pat Connaughton a new deal. Rob Bobby Portis back. Yeah. Javon. I mean, down to Javon Carter, who didn't even you know see the Serge Ibaka. Also, these guys who didn't really yeah. see the floor in the playoffs. Yeah. They brought them all back. I'm just curious if that's going to work for the 2023 championship. Because you got Wes Matthews, who was out of a job a month into the season last year, is going to be 36 by opening night. Wes Matthews was completely ridiculously exceeded expectations. Yep. 
Could have helped the Lakers last year. I'm not sure. Did had he have another offer? Did he have another offer than the Bucks? From what I know, and, and when he signed with the Bucks in November, no. And he was like, a, he was he, a, he was starting for them. Yep. Of, you know, and helping out a lot. And taking the you know the the top defensive man, him and Drew Holiday yeah. was sort of short. He, he was very season. good. He was getting very him back good on a minimum was a legitimately yeah. great move for them. I thought. But um, you know, but now you're saying again a 36 year old that you're counting on again for yep. heavy minutes. Brooke Lopez. Was really, looked really good after coming back from the, the surgery, but missed basically all season with a with back, back surgery. Injury. He's Let's also, no, I believe on you know thirty four, thirty five. He's also getting up there. Yeah. He's got a lot of guys around, you know, Giannis now that are getting old. Giannis is not thirty five. Giannis is not, and, and Giannis <laughs> is is still, you know, when you've got the, the one, right? The good yeah. thing is the one of one. I think that that still gives you confidence. And those top three are so good. Um, that if Middleton and Holiday and, and Giannis, true Holiday also had one of his best seasons, shot a career high from three. Um, obviously didn't like play well in that playoff series, but you know, again, it's, it's going to come down to those top three for them. Cause I do have questions on bringing the rest of this roster, uh, keeping it intact the way they did when it continues to so get Middleton, older. I think can opt out after the season. He's got a player option for yeah. 40 million for the 23, 24 season. 40 million is a lot of it's money. pretty good, <laughs> <laughs> but he is incentivized to have a good year this year. Yeah. I mean, sure. not that he's got anything to prove. He's, uh, oh, but look, he's looking to get paid. Yeah. And, and to, to the Joe Ingles signing, I mean, they clearly went back and watched game seven in Boston when they missed about seven trillion threes yeah. in that game. And, you know, Grant Williams made a bunch at the other end. Might have been good for Bud to guard him at some point. Um, but they I clearly. I mean, they were exhausted as a team. Giannis yeah. was no, they were. But that also, I mean, look, we've talked about Bud plenty of times. He's a great coach. He's also very dogmatic at what he does. And they were going to let Grant Williams shoot him out of the series. And he did. Yeah. Yeah. But that was clearly them looking at that and saying, we need another lights out shooter on the team. Joe Ingles is right, a, and also the Bucks have the luxury of making decisions for April, yes. May. I but so I didn't like that signing at all. Well, I'm okay and, with signing. I'm just not okay with giving well, the full level. Right to, to Jamal's point, like I think for a team that's that good, their tax MLE should go a lot farther yeah. than signing a mid 30s Joe Ingles coming off a torn ACL. He probably he might not have been worth the mid level or the mini mid level last year before he got hurt. He was not having a great year that's for the right. Jazz, so. Yeah. Look, I mean, they – and George Hill has been a, was a complete disaster last year too. So the one thing I will say for Milwaukee – Brought him back too. They, well, he was just on another – he was, he was oh, okay. just on a contract. Yeah, but right. they have a lot of contracts they can trade. That's true. Grant, yeah. Grayson Allen's making $8, 9000000 million. George Hill is making around four. They've got Joe Ingles on this deal, which is a, a movable deal. They've got somewhere between – you know, Brooke Lopez on an expiring deal. Yeah. They've got somewhere between 15 and $30 million – that they and can I think move they've reached the, the point where they've moved past the New Orleans picks. They, oh, I think that they have a distant first if they if they. Need I think to. they have two yeah, down have, the road, at least I'm, one. I think so they, they have, have the ability to do some stuff, and I, that is a team that, as the yeah. season goes on, I think they'll be pretty aggressive in looking around because I think. You know, they always are. You know, they, they have been Remember aggressive. They tried some stuff last year. I mean, they they brought in Rodney Hood and Semi Ojale, and those those signings just didn't work out. Right. But I, I do I agree, agree with you on that. That they've got some pieces here that I think we're going to get. Do they to still have Giannis, a few, and, and that's the big one. <laughs> that guy. Is, <laughs> and if I they mean, can add one more solid yeah. rotation player to you know, right now you know probably still the best three man lineup in the league with those three guys Absolutely. they fit together totally perfectly totally they're, they're championship tested now yeah. Yeah. Giannis to me is clearly the best player in the league 
Like he's yeah, I'm, that. I'm not in love with what they have on the margins, but they got a lot yep. going for them. And, you know, we right. all agree. got those three. If they're healthy. We all agree that they're going to be right there in the end if they're healthy. I'm, so. I'm rooting for another Celtics Buck series. It was, that was an all-time great series. I mean, it was uh, a lot of the, fun, the man. Jason, I mean, there were, I saw some tremendous stuff in the games that I covered in the playoffs last year. Jimmy Butler yeah. with an all-time performance in game six in Boston to bring that series back. Obviously, Steph. In, mm-hmm. in his game four that totally changed the series, 40-point um, game four, you know, iconic performance from him. Jason Tatum's performance in game, game six, six yeah. to keep that series alive. Yeah, Al, I mean, Horford, that's a, Al Horford in game four. Al Horford. Incredible. Man. Giannis, wow. that entire series. I mean, you look at one of the greatest of individual series Giannis of all time. Giannis yeah. was – Absolutely. It was as well as I've seen him defended, and he put what four forty-point games or three forty-point yeah, games. I mean, the, whatever his stat line was, I'm pretty sure it was the first time it had ever happened in a playoff series. I mean, yeah. it was it was out of control. I think every time we left a game, uh, post game, one of those nights, I was convinced a different team was going. to We'd leave one. I'm like, the Bucks are yeah. going. To well, I thought back. when <laughs> the Bucks go into Milwaukee in Game Five, Giannis is just absolutely brilliant, and win Game Five to go home. And the Bucks are dynamite at home. Yeah, dynamite at home. I mean, I mean, we ri- we arrived back in Milwaukee. We took like a six a.m. flight and arrived back in Milwaukee by like eight a.m., eight thirty in the morning, and like the entire city had already put Bucks and Six up. Yeah. Bucks and Six was on <laughs> was on you know billboards yeah. and stuff. They, they and I was like, I think you're right. I well, think it's gonna and, be Bucks and, and Six. And it's interesting. The one thing that we haven't had because uh, especially since we're talking about the East as a whole on this pod, you go back through the past eight, 10 years in the East. And there really hasn't ever been a consistent rivalry of any kind at the very top, right? The last one we had really was Pacers heat when they played three years in a row in the playoffs. I mean, and Cavs, real, Bulls, the Bulls never won. That, But that but, was one, that was really yeah. one series. It doesn't, the, the I should say LeBron Bulls, yeah, LeBron yeah. Bulls. But that's over a longer heat. period of time. Yeah. Like you haven't had. I mean, even Raptors versus LeBron, but you haven't had like you haven't had like a Pacers Knicks. But we've Pacers, now had the Bucks and Celtics play a few times in the playoffs. They had that yeah. seven game series in the first round. Boston escaped from. They yeah. had uh, the series when uh, Milwaukee knocked out the Kyrie team. We now had this series last year. Like this, this there's some real equity in that matchup. And we've yeah. got a chance over the next couple of years with Giannis and Jason Tatum. You know, Chris Middleton, Jalen Brown, like Marcus Smart, Drew Holiday. There's some yeah. there's yeah. a chance for that to really be kind of the defining matchup. You know, maybe for maybe that's the sort of the defining matchup we look back over Giannis's career. It might be yeah. going up against Jason Tatum. Yeah. And so I'm yeah. I hope that we get that again. In full cause, strength. Because that yeah. right, that's the other part, because we didn't get it with Chris Middleton the year. That's the, sort of the one thing the East has been lacking. We've had sort of a rotation of, you know, Toronto's there with Kawhi for a year. Cleveland played a series of teams they just demolished over and over again. Yeah. There hasn't been a real right. tight t- really again, I think going back to that, you know, when the Pacers played the yeah. Heat those three years in a row. So yeah. hopefully we get that again. All right. Thanks, Jamal. Thanks to everyone. Thanks to our producers here in LA. They're all they all can't believe we talked for so long. But what am I supposed to do? All right. uh, Later on this week, we will have a Western Conference uh, preview where we're going to let Ben McMahon in here and we're going to kick Bontemps out. That's right. Thanks for listening to Hoop Collective. We'll talk to you soon. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash hoop, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash hoop now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash hoop.